Welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. Today, it is just myself and Caitlin. Megan has some family matters that she is dealing with, so she is taking the night off of recording on this Sunday evening. And Caitlin and I will be talking about some of our favorite music books today. And while Megan isn't here, she still has some recommendations. But first, we have a little bit of news for you guys. I went to see Into It Over It on Friday at the Constellation Room in Santa Ana. It was a fantastic show. The world is a beautiful place and I am no longer afraid to die. Also performed as well as the Sidekicks in Pine Grove, which was great because Into It Over It was the only band of those four that I had seen live previously. And since I really enjoyed the Pine Grove record, it was great to see them play some of those songs live. And I forgot how much I liked the Sidekicks. So I will have to start listening to them more often now after this show. But Caitlin, I know there's been some big news in our scene, so why don't you go ahead and explain to us what has happened? Sure, and to tag on to the Intuit Over It show, they'll be here um, on April 6th here in Austin, so I'm kind of hoping I'll be able to hit that up. It's going to be hard, though, because I have to choose between that show and our emo night. (laughs) So I have a feeling I'm probably going to go to emo night, um, but at least I'm still celebrating the spirit of emoness. But um, yeah, so I'm glad that show went really well. Uh, so our news, as most of y'all have probably seen, um, Absolute Punk is no more. After so many, many, many years of being my one-stop shop for everything music, I think I started using this site in 2003, so not too long after it started, um, Jason Tate decided that it was time to move on and start a new iteration of the site. Um, us on staff, we did know that it was going to happen, so it wasn't anything super sudden. Jason had been working for a really long time on um, buying back the site from Spin, which is honestly very similar to everything with how that happened with Property of Zach. Yeah. Um, and Jason didn't want the site to go away, but kind of wanted a new, fresh start. So um, you can find all of pretty much the same features on chorus.fm now. Um, A lot of users have already created new accounts over there. Um, There is a code of conduct for this site now, though, so the forums will hopefully be a little more civil, which is part of what had drawn me away um, from participating in the forums up until recently. Um, There are just some terrible people on there. So um, I'm really, I'm excited for Jason. Um, You know, it's kind of, it's sad. It's been the end of an era. Um, you know, and I'm sad that I won't necessarily have the same writing platform that I had, but I know that, uh, you know, if I ever really needed to get something out there, I'm sure Jason would allow it. But if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do so. I know there are going to be some tweaks made, um, I'm sure as things are still starting out, but there's already, um, a huge forum population there, lots of conversation happening and already some new news and reviews popping up. So definitely check it out if you haven't, um, you can officially finally change your, user handle so if you've been the same <laughs> embarrassing username like I was for the past you know 12 years 
that'll be a good opportunity for you to <laughs> Yeah, see, Jason had actually invited me to help test out the forum before he made it public this past week. Nice. So I was able to get just Deanna, nice. <laughs> which is always nice when you can have your first name and nothing else. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Either that or I got or I took Deanna Chapman and it just shows Deanna when you like when I post and whatnot. It's one of the two. But either way, getting your own name is always great. And, you know, a little more professional than maybe some of the usernames we all used to have back in sixth grade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Not not a good time. Luckily, when I started writing, they gave me a different one with my name. But I don't even want to talk about what it used to be. <laughs> and normally I'm I'm very proud of some of those names, but. Not this one. <laughs> yeah, and like you mentioned, it's definitely a much more, I wouldn't say moderated forum now, but it's not quite as crowded as the Absolute Punk one was and not as much negativity going around. It seems like everyone has some positive input, constructive criticism and whatnot to bring on the course forum so that's always a plus and i've been having a ton of fun being on there talking to people about tv shows comic books a whole bunch of other nerdy things that isn't necessarily music based yep i agree um it's all really well organized right now so it was really easy to find you know the non-music stuff too there was even um, a thread for you like teachers who are in the music scene and i was really excited to find that apparently it had been on the old site and i just i guess it just got lost in the clutter so i was pretty excited to find that too yeah it's always fun to find new things and new people to talk to but our main feature for today will be discussing music books we're going to kind well in my case kind of do a top three because I like a lot of books <laughs> but you know maybe we can make a feature out of this top three thing come back do top three tv shows whatnot and yeah. that sort of thing this could be like a recurring theme here but what we'll do is we'll go over our top three and then we'll discuss some other books that we either have read or in my case a long list that I have not read but is sitting on my shelf <laughs> I have that too. yeah so Caitlin why don't you go ahead and talk a bit about your top three yeah so um I also uh, in our notes that we have I also included my first music book that I ever read um I've been an avid reader my whole life um and that was instilled in me very very early on by my mom uh we spent time every day reading I'd go to the library and check out you know the max number of books that you could every week <laughs> I was a nerd I was a giant nerd child um but and as I got older you know I either I kind of branched out in high school what I was reading um I feel like I didn't read any specific genres but I did enjoy you know comedy as I was younger comedy writing that kind of stuff anything that was kind of silly um but as I got into high school my taste started to change I was definitely more involved in the music scene that kind of thing so we had the opportunity um I think it was in ninth or tenth grade to choose a biography of our choice and you know do a report on it or whatever and I ended up choosing Rayvon the biography of Buddy Holly by Philip Norman and that was the first music book that I can remember reading um and honestly I may I kind of want to go back and read it again <laughs> to my Goodreads list because I don't remember reading it um I had to go in and like look through the covers to find the one that it was um, but I do remember going through it so, so quickly and just being so, I don't know, just impressed and interested in all the information I didn't know because I feel like you know, I'm, 
I was in high school, whatever. I didn't know a ton about Buddy Holly, but I've been pretty well educated in the music world, and I felt like I did know a lot. Um, and having that opportunity to just kind of delve into his life on a whole different level was awesome. So that kind of started a trend for me. Um, I didn't read a ton in high school and college, though, just because I was so busy. But I've had the opportunity after college to do a lot more of that. So my top three um, and my number one by far is Nothing Feels Good by Andy Greenwald. Um, number two is Girls to the Front by Sarah Marcus. And number three is Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks. And Nothing Feel Go- Feels Good by Andy Greenwald is super, super well-known. And it's basically just an early outline of how emo music got its start. Um, and they do a really, really good job of, although I feel like that's something people could argue about forever, <laughs> emo and where it started and when it started and that kind of thing. But Andy did a really great job of outlining really, really starting with really small bands and outlining to where everything is today. Um, well, I say today, the book was published in 2000 five or six so at this point it is kind of outdated uh but the history part of it is not so i i don't know i really enjoyed learning about a lot of bands i had never heard of before um i was not like a forum rat back in the day and i didn't spend time hunting down you know bands like rainer maria and the rights of spring and all of these bands that were making music when i was you know six um so I enjoyed it for that aspect that it really, again, it's just opening me up to a lot of information I didn't know before. So I love Nothing Feels Good. Um, he's a really, really great writer and he has a lot of interviews and like oral histories that he's done with people. Um, so it's a lot of firsthand experiences of people who toured with bands. He has a big section on, you know, Dashboard Confessional. Um, so it's just it's totally geeky and my little fangirl self really enjoyed it. You know, there, I got to the chapter about taking back Sunday, (laughs) even though I'm like, you know, at the time I was 25 when I read it or whatever. So awesome, awesome book. Um, I know anyone who has read it would definitely agree that it's, even if it doesn't change your life, it definitely changes your perspective of the music that you listen to. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, all three of your top three, they're all on my list of books to read. Basically, I literally That's have perfect. nothing feels good within arm's reach of me right now on my bookshelf. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I definitely need to maybe after hearing you talk about it, maybe move that one up on my list of books to read. Yes, definitely. But like I said, it's already, you know, I I wish there was more. I wish there was like a second one, like an amendment or, you know, it's nothing feels good part two and kind of continue with the resurgence of the whole, you know, emo genre and everything like that. So maybe there will be. I have no idea. I have no idea what Andy Greenwald is up to these days. I actually do know. So (laughs) I can fill you all in. Well, Andy was writing for Grantland previously. And I know he did write about a lot of TV shows and music stuff there, and the archives are still up for Grantland, but he did just get hired again by Bill Simmons for his new site called The Ringer. And right now he has a podcast, it's called The Watch, and it's quite literally about watching TV shows. So it's him and Chris Ryan talking about TV shows, and every once in a while they'll talk about music too. So The Ringer hasn't launched yet, but they do have a newsletter, and we can link to that in the show notes for anyone who wants to keep up to date with what some of the writers are getting out in the meantime while they're waiting on the site to be ready, which should be ready. I think it's end of spring, early summer time period that they're working for. 
So fret not, Andy Greenwald's writing will be back (laughs) on the internet very soon. Well, good. That's good to know. Um, My second favorite music book um, is Girls to the Front by Sarah Marcus. And this is basically the, I think its subtitle is The Story of the Riot Girl. Um, And I've recently really started delving into more feminist uh, writing and stuff like that, any kind of just I'm really interested in the history of all of it and seeing how everything's changed and manifested. But Sarah basically interviews and outlines the timeline of the Riot Girl movement, um, which most people know the movement as being mostly fronted by um, Bikini Kill and... Well, at least starting and making it more popular. And she actually, I really appreciated that she doesn't bring all of that up a lot. She she mentions Bikini Kill. She talks a little bit about Kathleen Hanna. Um, but she personally didn't have a lot of involvement. And it's more talking to people who weren't as visible or well-known. Um, but it's really interesting. She talks a lot about some of the, I guess, inner politics of what was going on in the group. And there was a big divide between a lot of girls of, do we want to you know, go public about this. There were some, you know, magazine interviews that caused a lot of drama and, you know, a lot of people wanted them to stay underground and, you know, I don't know. It's just very interesting because I am somewhat new to not feminism, but more knowing more about the history and the people involved. So again, it's just opening yourself up to more things you didn't know. Um, so if you are interested in music and feminism, that would be my number one recommendation. Um, there are tons more books on the Riot Girl movement, uh, but I think Sarah does a very, very good job. Um, I don't know enough to know how biased or unbiased she might be <laughs> about the situation. Uh, but either way, I really liked her writing. I didn't find it pretentious or anything like that, which can be a problem sometimes. Um, in music writing in general, you kind of get that know-it-all kind of feel. Uh, but she she did a really good job, so that's definitely one of my favorites. And um, I keep it. I have a bookshelf in my bedroom that's smaller, um, where I keep all of my books that I'm currently reading, and I just kind of keep hers hanging out there. Um, I, I I don't know. I like having it on hand and close by to reference and stuff. Nice. So. <laughs> um, and then my third favorite is kind of complete opposite of uh, Nothing Feels Good and Girls to the Front. Definitely um, less about history and genres and more about the psychology behind music. So this is Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks, who's one of my favorite um, authors and unfortunately recently passed um, in 2015. But Musicophilia is basically an anthology of stories of patients that Oliver Sacks dealt with. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Oliver Sacks was greatly involved in studying, changing psychology patterns. Um, he was a little bit of a philosopher, um, but has basically a large collection of books where he just tells the stories of his patients that he's dealt with. And a lot of them are really interesting. Um, in Musicophilia, every single one has some something to do with music and how music is affecting this person's brain. So some of them, you know, they talk about the idea of an earworm, you know, where you get a song stuck in your head. But for these people, these songs were stuck in their head for 20 years um, and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's just really different. Um, It's really, really heavy and hard to get through. 
I feel like I've read it for like two and a half years before I actually finished it. And there are even some stories that I skipped over. So I do need to go back and fill in some of my blanks. Uh, but if you're interested in uh, more of the scientific aspect of music and what's happening in our brains uh, when we listen, highly recommend that as well. And don't feel like you have to sit down and read it in one <laughs> session because I think I bookmarked it and shelved it so many times over the years. Um, it was actually passed down to me by my grandfather. He thought I would like it. So um, I'm very grateful for him for passing that on and, and helping me instill my love of Oliver Sacks. So it's an awesome book. Yeah, I think that and I believe it's called This Is Your Brain on Music kind of are the yes. two big books that delve into the psychology of music and how it affects us and that sort of thing. So both of those are on my to read list, as are many others, as Caitlin already knows from my list that I have here going here. <laughs> That's not even all the music books I have and haven't read yet. <laughs> I feel you. But yeah, so my top three is actually quite different from Caitlin's. Probably the top one at the moment is Killing Yourself to Live by Chuck Klosterman, which for those of you who don't know, he's a huge pop culture writer, basically. I recently completed my collection of all eight of his books so I've I think I've read four of them and this was one of them and basically what he did was he hit the road for 21 days drove all around America following death and rock and roll so he would you know stop at the sites of plane crashes and those sort of things that killed these famous musicians and everything and it was just a really interesting take on covering music because most people will not get in a car by themselves and just drive around the entire United States for three weeks, you know, so. It's pretty awesome. I, I mean, Chuck obviously does amazing work, um, and I feel like all of his books kind of relate a little bit back to music in some way, if not obviously pop culture, but that's one I haven't read. I've got about five Chuck books on my shelf, and that is not one of them, so I'm going to have to write that down. Yeah, I think it was maybe the second or third book he wrote. I know F okay. Fargo Rock City, I believe, was the first. I could be getting that wrong, but, you know, if you buy his books and they have the black spine with a little white square for a letter, it spells out his name. So I'm assuming that the order is the one that spells out his name correctly. <laughs> so I think... I also think that's a pretty cool thing that he's doing. It's just like with the spine of his book, each one will have a letter and it will spell out his full name. I'm a little annoyed, though, because my copy of Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs is not the same spine. So I like one out of all eight books is a different spine. So it's just, I'm like tempted to draw in the H on it because it's a white spine. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> I know I even like looked at the used bookstore that I frequent and I was like, man, they don't have the right spine. I would have traded in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, enough about my weird OCD with needing the correct spines to spell out his name. It happens. <laughs> but the two other books that I've really enjoyed, one is Passion is a Fashion. The Real Story of The Clash by Pat Gilbert. So obviously it's a biography on The Clash. I read this book when I was actually writing a final paper on The Clash in my artist representation class. It was basically about the relationship they had with their manager. 
And this book just really had a lot of good information about the band. I did read three or four other books that solely covered The Clash. So I was kind of, I had to go look at my work cited page to try and remember which one was the one I liked the most. <laughs> but another book that I read as kind of part of this, and I borrowed it from a friend, it's called Babylon's Burning from Punk to Grunge, and it's by Clinton Halen. At first, I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, read the clash part because it was a pretty huge book. It had to have been at least like 500 pages or something. They tend to be like that. All of these, I have so many on my list that are like 300 plus pages. Yeah, I have some gnarly sized ones on my shelf that I have recently bought. Um, but I decided to just like plow right through this and it has so much information on so many different bands that it was kind of hard not to pick this one because, you know, from punk to grunge, that's like, that covers a wide range of bands that I've listened to. So if you are looking for a ton of information about those bands and those genres, I definitely recommend getting this book at also has a nice looking album or not album cover oh my god <laughs> book cover this is the problem when you talk about books and music at the same time get your covers confused guys <laughs> so yeah I think right now that kind of rounds out my top three but one I wanted to add in is sort of an honorable mention is a book called here come the regulars by Ian Anderson I actually found out about this book when I was interning at a recording studio my senior year of high school. My boss mentioned it to me. And it's a really good business book about, you know, running a record label on a shoestring budget, basically. And it's not very long at all. I believe it's less than 200 pages. It's definitely one of the smaller music books on my shelf, but not the smallest because I do have the Ramones 33 and a third series book, nice. which is tiny. It's like 90 pages. Those are the best. <laughs> I just felt because, you know, they're so small, I felt like I couldn't put that in my top three, even though I really liked it. I was like, sometimes I need to have books that have more meat to them for them to kind of be a favorite of mine. Yeah. But as you see here, I also have a list. This isn't even the full list, as I mentioned earlier, of ones on my shelf that may change my top three here. Two of them are by Lester Bangs, and those would be Psychotic Reactions and Carburetor Dung, and then Mainlines, Blood Feast, and Bad Taste. Wonderful book titles there. I've <laughs> never heard of either of those. Enlighten me. Well, so Lester Bangs was like a, he was a huge rock critic back in, I believe it was like the 70s and 80s time period. So he was actually writing for magazines when print was huge. And basically, I think they're kind of just compilations of his writing. Okay, cool. And that sort of thing. Are you familiar with Jade Tree? Yes. Okay. So Darren Walters, who is one of the co-owners of Jade Tree, he was mm -hmm. one of my professors at Drexel, and he cool. had us read some like excerpts, basically, from Lester Bangs. And his writing is just so unique that I was like, I really need to you know, kind of read more of what this guy wrote about. So I, you know, hit Amazon as per usual and started looking around. And these were like the two main books that compiled his writing and that sort of thing. So I was like, all right, I'll get these. I've had them for a while, still haven't gotten to them, which is the same for Nothing Feels Good by Andy Greenwald. 
I just have way too many books to read. It's ridiculous. I, silly me, I started to get advanced copies of books to review. And now I am like drowning in advanced copies of books to review. So it'll be a little while before I get back to my collection of books that I've actually bought. (laughs) (laughs) But another one that is, he's similar to Lester Bang's is Richard Meltzer. I do have one of his books that I've already read, but then I recently bought a horror just like the rest, yet another great book title. And Mm -hmm. it's basically the same idea. It's his writings basically compiled into one book or a good chunk of his writings and everything. That's cool. I've never really read like a a compilation. Yeah. I've always been all more like histories or... I said, really, I read more books that outline the history of things, so that might be a good change for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I will try to get to either his or Lester Bangs as soon as I can and let you know how it goes. <laughs> yes. And then the two of the other ones that are pretty notable on my shelf is, well, are, I am really bad with words this weekend, I apologize, everyone, <laughs> England's Dreaming by John Savage, which obviously covers you know, England's music scene more than ours. But, you know, a ton of great punk bands came from the UK. So it's basically covering that stuff. And it's another one of those huge books that's at least four to 500 pages long. So a few of these are going to take me a while to get to. And the last one I have on here, very quickly, because I feel like I'm kind of rambling on about all the things I need to read. I have some too. I have some too. Okay, great. So the last one I, I will mention right now is Give Me Something Better by Jack Bulware and Silk Tudor. Hopefully I am pronouncing those correctly. But again, it's another book that's about multiple musicians, multiple artists, and that sort of thing. And it's I have quite a few books that cover punk music and you know, similar genres. So it's basically about that as well. So (laughs) I have a lot of punk music to read about, apparently. Well, that's the ones that are on my list are kind of the same thing. Um, By the three that I'm looking at right here on my Goodreads. Uh, One is called Girl Power, The 90s Revolution in Music by Marisa Meltzer. Uh, Cinderella's Big Score, Women of the Punk and Indie Underground by Maria Raha. Um... What's the other one? Oh, The Riot Girl Collection by Lisa Darms. Um, and that one is actually, it seems really cool. It's less um, a story and more just a collection of different uh, Riot Girl zines and poems and short stories and stuff like that. So I think that would be um, not like a coffee table book, but something I would keep on my coffee table. Um, and so those are all Riot Girly. Uh, what else do I have on here? I actually have one that's a novel. And I don't read a lot of fiction. Yeah. I am definitely a nonfiction kind of girl. Um, and I know this book is pretty popular. Um, it's called This Song Will Save Your Life by Layla S- Sales. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see. It's got about four stars on Goodreads. Um, so I'm not, I don't know. I don't own it yet. Um, and I'm hesitant to just because... I don't read novels, um, and I'm not, I don't know how to, like, transition from reading all of these, like, nerdy psychology, philosophy, essay-style books and history-style books and going back to that. So we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, I have this one. It's been on my shelf for years. It's called Please Kill Me, The Uncensored Oral History of Punk 
by yes. Leg, Legs McNeil. I think I have uh, that so in an ebook form. So it's, it's again, it's just one of those things that has been there and I know it'll be good. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. the oral, the oral histories can be kind of hard to get through also just because they're less, um, they're less connected, I guess. I get through books really easily when it's got a really good flow. So that can be hard sometimes, which I think is part of why it's taken me so long or took me so long to get through uh, Musicophilia. Yeah, I actually have a book. It's literally called Punk Rock and Oral History. <laughs> so so uh, my, I think my cousin actually gave me that book. So it's been on my shelf. But to put it into perspective, there's at least 10 books on my shelf that I did not mention today that I also have not read. And there's uh, maybe a handful that I didn't mention that I have read. So I have quite the book collection here. In my room, I probably have close to 200 books. Yeah. So, you know, maybe around 30 or, or so are music-based books. But then I have like tons of sports books, you know, a bunch of classics and that sort of thing. So... I understand your nerdiness about reading a lot. I just like all the things. <laughs> right? I say the nerdiest ones I probably have are, um, it's two different books. It's part of this, by the same author. It's called 1491. And the other one is called 1493. And basically it's a really, 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 really in-depth story of, uh, Native Americans in the U.S., um, well, not, I guess not in the U.S., but in North and South America, and basically tells you how everything you've ever learned was wrong. Um, and it is so heavy and hard to get through, but it's definitely up there on my nerdiness. Um, oh, I had one more that I really, really, really want to we- read. I know it came out pretty recently. Um, Carrie Brownstein's book. Oh, Hunger yes. Ma- Hun- Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl. Um, which is right on theme of my my Riot Girl books. Um, but I've heard nothing but good things, and I love Carrie. She's so awesome. I just saw Slater Kinney, I guess, last year and just lost my shit. Um, so I I know nothing about her as an author or if how she writes or anything. Um, I haven't really read too many in-depth reviews. I'm kind of hesitant to. I, I don't like reading book reviews too much for the most part. I'll read them after I read the book, but... I don't know. I like to get that out of the way for myself. Yeah. And I know you mentioned that recently you read How to Talk to Girls about Duran Duran by Rob Sheffield. That was my most recent. Yeah. I also read that semi-recently. It was a book I had borrowed from the library because for a little while I had started going back to the library again. And I read, what's his other one? Love is a Mixtape. Yeah. I read that not too long before reading this one and I thought this was a cool format because what he did was he took like basically a song and paired it with a story for each chapter yeah and I thought that was really cool which actually that's something uh Nick Hornby has done also right um author of High Fidelity he has the book 31 songs okay Um, and it's kind of a similar setup where each chapter is a different song but for him he talks more about the actual music, whereas in uh, talking to girls about Duran Duran, he talks more about just what it reminds him of, like more right. about his childhood and personal stories. I'd kind of mix feels, mix feels um, <laughs> about how to talk to girls about Duran Duran. I think I liked it, but there was a lot of music that I'm not familiar know, I'm, with. I'm younger. I didn't know exactly what he was talking about sometimes, but I also like I'm not sure if it was supposed to be like a joke 
or I don't know, I had a hard time with his tone because he would say stuff that was kind of like offensive. Um, like, you know, girls, girls don't like Duran Duran. They don't understand they don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, is this like, are you being funny? Are you being facetious or is right. like, are you serious? So I had a hard time with that throughout the book. I wasn't really sure if he was like being facetious or if he was literally meaning like, oh, girls don't like Duran Duran. I can't, I don't know how to talk to them about it. So that was, that was my only complaint really with his book. Yeah. But, um, did you like how to talk to girls about Duran Duran or love is a mixtape better? Ooh, I think I liked Love is a Mixtape better. I did like the idea of the format of How to Talk to Girls about Duran Duran. Yeah. But I think, you know, the overall writing was maybe a bit better in Love is a Mixtape, mostly because, you know, How to Talk to Girls about Duran Duran was a bunch of stories kind of pieced together into a book, as opposed to Love is a Mixtape being one full story about a relationship or a few relationships with the main character and, you know, not only girls, but music as well. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll give it a chance then. Yeah, I know he, I think he has four books out. I know Bright Eyes is the title of one of the other ones, but I would definitely give Love is a Mixtape a try. So if I can, if I can find it for a dollar at Half Price Books, I'll get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, I have so many that I still have to get through that it's really hard to settle on a top three, especially knowing that I still have four Chuck Klosterman books to get through as well, and he has a new one coming out this summer. Yeah, I feel like it's hard. You could break it down into so many subtopics of like, these are my top three like oral histories, and these are my top three like specific genre style essay, and these are my top three like biographies. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to be a nerd. <laughs> Very difficult. It is hard to read so much, guys. <laughs> Sometimes it actually is, though, because I just... Some days when I have to pick a new book to read, I will literally either stand in front of my bookshelf or just sit in my room staring at it and be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like I feel the same way about my closet that I do my bookshelf. I have, like, all this shit. And I'm like, I don't have anything to read. And I, like, I have nothing to wear. And it's like, you are <laughs> But then I'll still go out and buy some cheap books, just like I'll go buy some cheap clothes. So I guess it's just a problem that I have to deal with. Yeah. So to everyone, definitely hit up those used bookstores. Find some music books you enjoy. And let us know if you have a recommendation that we didn't mention because there are so many out there. We need yes, and I'm us. sure Caitlin and I will probably buy it within five minutes of you mentioning it. So yeah. <laughs> definitely shoot <laughs> recommendations our way. And speaking of recommendations, shall we move on to ours? Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and go for it? Yeah. Um, so last Friday on March 25th, I went and saw Explosions in the Sky. Um, which was awesome because they are from Austin. So it was like a big hometown show. Um, they were doing it in honor of the release of their new album, The Wilderness. It was freaking mind blowing. Um, I cried. My boyfriend cried. Like there's just so much emotion attached to that band and their music. If you've been a fan for a while, um, I hadn't seen them since 2008. So that was really exciting. Um, but the music from their new album is awesome um i don't listen to a lot of instrumental music but i may have to start again 
Um, I didn't pick up a copy of the album yet. Um, I've just been listening to it online, but my boyfriend did grab um, a special Texas edition vinyl. Um, it's a two LP and one is red and one is blue. They're very pretty. Uh, but actually, and he got really lucky. He went to an in-store performance where the band played about five songs off the new album um, in our local record store. So I thought that was very cool, but I did not did not make it out for that one. I went and caught a friend's band instead. But if you haven't listened to any of it yet, please do. It's called The Wilderness. It's a, it's a lot of noise, but it's good noise. Um, then my other recommendation would be going and signing up for Chorus.fm if you haven't. Um, if you want to go directly to the forums, it's forum.chorus.fm, and that'll get you where you need to be. And I'll, we'll definitely link that uh, in our show notes for you. Yeah, definitely. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, even though Megan is not here this week, she did have some recommendations she wanted us to read off. The first two are some pop songs. Mike Posner's I Took a Pill in Ibiza, the Sieb remix of that. And then Robin Schulz's Sugar featuring Francesco Yates. Hopefully I pronounced all those things correctly. I, yeah, I, I most likely most did not. <laughs> And then her other recommendation was Dustin Kenshrew's live cover album. It's called Thoughts That Float on a Different Blood. His Jesus Christ cover is apparently very, very good. I have heard this. This is an album I've actually... Yeah, I've been meaning to listen to this album, so I'm really glad that Megan tossed it in here for recommendations because that's probably a recommendation I will take her up on this week. So those are Megan's three recommendations for this week, and I only have a couple. We are recording this on Sunday, but tomorrow, which is Monday, April 4th, I think it's Monday, April 4th. Yes, you are correct. Yes, Monday, April 4th, (laughs) the new Verdu single, they are a band on my label. It will be premiering over at Under the Gun, so it would be great if you guys could check that out. They're an alt-rock band. And the single is called Calusa. It's really catchy. It will likely be our intro song for this week as well. So you might have already heard part of it. (laughs) But then my second recommendation is if you go see Intuit over it on tour, definitely grab the gold variant of the new album Standards. It comes with this pretty cool outside cover And I was lucky enough to actually have Evan personally write my name on the back of the record in the space allotted for that because he was at the merch table when I bought it. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. (laughs) He even wrote out my full name, first, middle, and last name. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, it's limited to 500, I believe. And it will be numbered and he will have also signed it at the bottom. So that's pretty cool. But piece of advice, I was $5 short to pay with cash. So I had to pay with credit card. But when bands are using the Square Reader, they typically charge you a little more to cover, you know, the fee that Square charges to them. So definitely be sure to take enough cash. The record is $20. But I, of course, also wanted a shirt that I did not need. I bought the Charlie Brown shirt. Oh, yeah. Which I think if you guys know Intuit over it, everyone knows that shirt. (laughs) I want it. I do want it. I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the funny thing is, like, 
the merch guy didn't tell me that when I handed him my card. But then after I had already paid, I heard him say to someone else, oh, that'll be so-and-so on the the card. And I was just like, oh, whatever. I would have still bought it anyway, probably. They should still let you know. It's kind of shitty. Yeah. And it was funny because then, of course, I found $60 in my backpack today. I was like, oh, where'd this come from? I was like, oh, this is birthday money from December. (laughs) Damn, you rich. (laughs) Rich and unemployed. (laughs) Very ironic. All right. Well, thank you for bearing with the two of us this week (laughs) and all of our book recommendations and books we have to read. So like we said, if you guys have anything that we missed and definitely should be reading, Hit us up on either Twitter or our email. Those will both be in the show notes as they are every week. And thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.